Hello, I'm Abigail James. Welcome to Knowing Me, Glowing You, the podcast that celebrates life's unique journeys. I want to inspire you wherever you are in your life, whether that be aging, career, family, or more internal goals of self-discovery. Each week, I will be chatting to different experts, shining a light on their knowledge and own unique journeys. Today, I'm chatting to Donna Ida. It's always nice of you, like, you see somebody wearing something or you go and meet a friend and you like their hamburger, you go, oh, that's great, and you feel inspired. And I think it's nice to feel, go, oh, yeah, I'm going to get one of those. Like, it looks amazing on you. I love that. But don't think, compare, you know. It's just, just doesn't work. Born and raised in Sydney, Australia, Donna moved to the UK in 1999 for a career in marketing when she spotted a gap in the market. While out shopping one day, Donna was struggling to find truly comfortable but stylish jeans and a friend suggested that she might like to launch her own denim brand. So that's exactly what Donna did. The collection was inspired by Donna's grandmother, Ida, who was really well known back in Australia for making her own patterns and clothed the entire family as well as friends. It is with Ida in mind that Donna created the denim-based collection, Donna Ida. Myself and Donna were introduced over a decade ago when Donna came in for a facial and we've kind of stayed in touch ever since. When I think of Donna, I think of a totally fabulously glamorous businesswoman who will always reply to your text in the quickest time. And she is the best person for being a queen of networking. So Donna, welcome to the podcast. Oh, that's so good because I do worry sometimes if I don't reply to something immediately if I'm busy. So that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best. You are the best Thank at you that. for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Donna, I've always been a fan of jeans. I was raised wearing jeans and I always dreamt of actually having a jeans kind of shop. And you, you've done that. I would, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your journey of how you got to where you are today. Well, it definitely wasn't, you know, everyone says it's like not a straight line to success and that is for sure. But I started Donna Ida as multi-brand retail because I wanted to fit women with jeans and I wanted them to feel great. But actually multi-brand retail is quite difficult and especially when we opened in 2006 and really online started taking off in a big way by 2008-2009 so investing in that presence in the market or in your own brand was almost a crossroads we came to in the first few years quite relatively quickly but we were just so busy that we just didn't have time to actually think about the range of what it was that we wanted to produce that would be different and a genuine gap in the market. And it was just through serving customers and understanding women and women's bodies and what they were asking for us was a high-waisted gene was hugely um, lacking in the market at that time. It was really following the American market, which is still very much all about low-waisted genes. And so that's when we decided to create IDA which is our, you know, our brand within Donna Ida. And that's really where it then the ship started to steer towards our own brand. And then cutting long story short, 
the way we then start making our own jeans. The Rizzo is one of the first styles that we created. Everything that we first launched with pretty much is still in the collection. And then we just started to nudge the other brands out, I suppose, for want of a better explanation. And then when we ended up with only two or three other brands, we originally started with like about 30 odd brands um, or more 40. And when we only had a few brands left alongside Ida, we then said, okay, let's just close the stores, invest all the money because stores are obviously huge, take a lot of capital investment to keep running and then invest everything into the brand and take the business online. So that's what we did. And so we're actually just going to look at going back into wholesale now, but we really focus on the product and our customers and just really focusing on those two things and bringing those two together in the most beautiful way you can um, and really talking to the customer and engaging with the customer. Because I know your in-person shops, you were physically there as Donna Ida. You were in your stores building those relationships and friendships with your customers. We've, I know, you know, probably one of your other headings should be the queen of juggling. I'd love to just delve into a little bit of that. I know you're still juggling with different business models and things as well, but I'd love to know firstly, maybe where where do you feel that ability comes from? And how do you, you manage that juggle? I think getting out quite early and not letting it get on top of you. Um, once you let things get on top of you, it's very hard to get out from underneath it. And so you do just have to stay on top every day. And so, for example, when people go on holidays and then they literally they say oh, on holiday, I just don't understand how people can do that. So I go away and I'm just working in another location. There's no way that I can actually turn off. It just couldn't happen. And I also think that once you do let those things build up, it just it makes coming back home, back from holiday very difficult for yourself, I think, as well. And so for me, it's always Stephen, who was our finance director for a long time, always said to me, and actually it was just such a light bulb moment, he said it's easy to keep up and catch up. And it's so true. And I really say to anybody, like, I just battle through my emails, get through everything, give answers really quickly. Um, but in terms of like actually, you know, when I actually started going back to our own brand from multi-brand, re- multi-brand retail model, it really was, and I didn't fully appreciate exactly what I was doing, that starting a denim brand alongside, which were wholesaling alongside running multi-brand retail stores, I was starting a whole new business, which I was, but I didn't appreciate just how much workload doubled and I was already busy. It was really crushing it was brutal very difficult so actually then closing the stores and then simplifying the business and then having just our brand no other brands it actually simplified it and for me now as well and I would recommend anybody follow this sort of mantra in business is keep it simple as much as you possibly can just focus on what you're good at, focus on what the customer looks to you for and just streamline, streamline, streamline. I'm constantly looking at ways to streamline and make things more di- more simple, not more difficult. If you were to launch your range now, is there anything that you'd maybe do differently? Or, you know, I suppose maybe that advice for someone who wants to launch a range now. I know you've just said about simplifying, but you almost need a business to to simplify in the first place, yeah? 
I mean, for me, even just, I found even just finding a factory and I know the people have like come to me, it's like, even where do you even find these factories? There's no yellow pages for factories that tells you all the best ones. They always come and find you. You can't go find the factories. So anyone who's wanting to get into manufacturing um, in any way, who you literally haven't got a clue. You have no place. You're like, where do I even start? What do I even Google? I've been in that situation so many times. So it is hard. And even, you know, just one of the factories we started working with only sort of a year ago, that was me actually going, oh, actually, I think I know this person, this person. And then I found them then on through LinkedIn. And I just thought, oh, let me just have a look through LinkedIn. I'll be there. And just search for people, you know, and even with any sort of a manufacturer or anything, you're going to make at least a couple of mistakes. Even finding the right bag supplier or the right shipper or the right anything, you'll make a few mistakes and then you might even be working with somebody for a few years and you think this just doesn't feel right. This just feels too difficult. You'll kind of know instinctively. It's like a gut thing. It's like, does it, it doesn't really smell right to me, but I don't have a choice for now. And then you will always in your mind be looking for the right thing. You go, yes, okay, this is much better. Yeah. And that's normal. That's totally normal. So I own, I own a lot of Donna Ida jeans. One of the things that really stands out is the comfort of them. Firstly, there's just a sexiness to an Ida jean or jumpsuit, but the comfort element with the sexy, is that something that you've spent a lot of time in with the fit of the jeans? Yes, it's all about the fabric. I mean, essentially, when you're making a pair of jeans, it's the fabric, it's the comfort of that fabric. The pre, it has to be a beautiful premium level. It has to have good. It has to retain its shape. It has to have a good bounce back. It has to not, you know, have needs in that that kind of thing after a few wears. And it has to feel really good. It has to hold you in. So there's quite a few things, you know, you're looking for in a fabric, and also then that's how it feels, but also how it looks. So there's that, but there's also then the hardware that you choose so making jeans you actually become like a, it's a, like you're an editor it's just seas and seas of denim but what's the best one so it is editing it's editing that thread color editing what the look is and so it just comes really down to like any sort of design I suppose it's like a taste level isn't it but it has to it has to look great but it has to feel great it has to make you feel amazing when you put them on and then they have to last and you know stand the test of time yeah you've definitely changed up the jeans market with I, would you call it a boiler suit or the all-in-one? Yeah, we do flight suits, boiler suits, jumpsuits, yeah. Where was the choice to do that? Because that's quite a different thing. Well, we actually started, we launched our boiler suit back in 2012. It was like with like first collections and nobody was doing that kind of thing back then. And then we also, then we designed then Dolly, which is the flight suit. So it was really just kind of like, I just wanted like all in ones. And so we were doing it way before anyone else. So for me, it's never been about sort of, it's not a fashion thing because, you know, we're sort of the forerunners there for, for sure. We've like really shown that in quite a few of our styles that it's about what is it that it feels right and what do I want to wear? And I never really look out there and look at competitors or anything like that. I never have done because I feel like if you do that, it can be sort of, you can get influenced or you can, you can you go, oh, maybe I should be doing this thing if they're doing that. I just think you just need to do what feels right. And then if you, and if you truly believe in it, your customers will too. 
I love that. Staying in your lane. I think we all fall into that. You, you've you obviously been able to kind of hone that, but I know I definitely fall into, you see so many other people in your industry online thinking, oh God, why aren't I doing that yet or this yet? And I think, I think that's a really important tip. You know, that whole, that expression of like, is um, comparisons a thief of joy is just so true. And I think you just can't look what other people are doing because it does, it'll either stress you out or depress you. And yeah, I just think you need to just get on and do, you know, have the code of your convictions and just do it. You know, even there was this girl, he kept messaging me on Instagram because she knows I don't drink anymore. And she was asking me, but, but, but what about your friends? But what about this? But what about that? I'm like, I honestly couldn't care less. I don't know how many other ways I need to say it to you. I've told you so many times, I don't care what anybody else does. But don't you feel the pressure? No, I really genuinely don't. I couldn't care less. Yeah, I, I, I'd be up all, I'd never sleep if I cared what other people think. I really just don't care what other people think. And I think that that's such a sort of, that's the biggest gift you can give to yourself is not caring what anybody thinks about you. And it you'll just drive yourself crazy. Yeah, I also think the biggest gift you can give to yourself. Yes. Even outside of business. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. It's always nice of you, like, you know, see somebody wearing something or you go and meet a friend and you like their hamburger, you go, oh, that's great, and you feel inspired. And I think it's nice to feel, you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to get one of those. Like, it looks amazing on you. I love that. But don't think, compare, you know. It's just, just doesn't work. Can we talk about Fernando for a moment? Oh, he's here. He's lying on my, he's lying on my desk. He's Is he? Asleep. He's asleep now. He's there. Uh, yeah, how many dogs do you have now, Donna? I have five. And these are five chihuahuas? Five chihuahuas, yes. Yeah. Where did that all begin? So that actually happened because I wanted a dog and I was just starting Donna Ida. And so, and I actually just researched what would be the best dog for me because I was busy and, you know, and that kind of thing. So small walks, small poos, you know, um, can be left alone for short periods of time, that kind of thing. So I was never particularly attracted to chihuahuas till I actually owned a chihuahua. And then once you have them, their characters are just so incredible. So then I um, then I got Romeo and then I got Julio. So I had the two of them. And then when Romeo passed away when he was 10, I literally was just on the floor for a week. I then, um, Bobby Dazzle was saying to me, you really, we need to get another one because you're just so upset. And also now Julio is getting very upset. That's when Fernando came along. And then when we went, got Fernando, then his little brother, that Eduardo had been born, but he was a little baby. But then eventually got the breeder to then let me have Eduardo. And then we got Gonzalo and then Emilio. I've met some of them and Fernando is, because I, I must admit a chihuahua is possibly not my first choice of a dog, but Fernando is just adorable. He's just lovely. And you mentioned Bobby Dazzler. You know, we can't have a conversation without mentioning your, your husband. Um, is he, he's obviously fully on board with, with the dogs. Oh, obsessed, totally. And he, but again, when I first met him, I just had Romeo and he was like, oh my God, I can't like, you know, walk around the Chihuahua, I'm a man. And anyway, and then he, you just fall in love with that. Like, I think like any breed of dog, you then, if that's the breed and you really get into that breed, you just get to know them so well. So yeah, we're fully into the Chihuahuas and we're built, we're just building these, um, at Langton Court, these Chihuahua stable. So there's like five stables. So I'm like, five's the number. It's one in, one out after that. Cause I think after five is the maximum for sure. Cause it, since we had five, I haven't stopped counting. <laughs> 
So all I ever do is like, I'm just counting the entire time. How did you and Bobby Dazzler meet? Because you, you guys to me are just this amazing, fabulous couple together. And, you know, I, I, it's kind of a relationship that I aspire to have. Oh, that's so nice. So when we first, I opened Donna Ida and it was beginning of October, 2006. And then the builder who um, did the fit out for me, he then came along and said to me, he still been there doing some mirrors and bits and pieces a couple of weeks later and he's working on a shop nearby. And he said, so how come you're not with anybody? And I said, well, you know, I've just, you know, started this business and need to put everything into it. And so if I do meet somebody, I want them to be older, wiser, been there, done that. And he said, oh, actually, I know, I think I know somebody. I was like, oh, okay, fine. Literally two minutes later, he walks in the shop with Tessa. I was like, oh, my God, I wasn't expecting. And so he then he had come to see Joey, who was a builder, about some other work that he was doing for him, this builder. And then we just met and then we just went and had a drink. And then I just really, really liked him. And I think that's, you know, the basis of such a good relationship that we just got along so well and we liked each other so much. And then we just, yeah, started seeing each other. I was very busy with my business. He had his own sort of businesses. And it's just one of those, it's just such an amazing gift and something that I actually never thought that I would have. And so it, I just, every day I sort of realized just how lucky I am. And as I go, and as the longer we're together, the luckier I feel. That's so lovely. Is there still, are you still doing... Dazzler does, or was that like a lockdown thing? Because I know well, Bobby does. I wish we've got no space because we're in the middle of moving. Because we're in this like cabin where we're staying nearby. Because if we don't have a kitchen. Well, we do have a kitchen, but you know, you just couldn't. And then we'll move into our small section, like our tea. We'll have a tea and toast room at Langdon Court, and then probably once the kitchen's done at Langdon Court and we move in properly towards the end of the year, we could then st- he'll start cooking again. Because he's amazing in the kitchen. He's so amazing. And tell us a bit about Langdon Court. Because you've obviously, so you closed the physical businesses in London. And then you've made the huge move from where you were. Were you just in Buckinghamshire, that kind of area? We're in Berkshire. So our businesses are still exactly as they were. So, so yeah, so we haven't closed anything. Um, we've just, all we did was move out, move house. So our um, my warehouse is in Berkshire. So everything just runs as it is. It was just that I moved. So, and his businesses are sort of, you know, still, you know, very much running. So we've just moved house. That's all. Nothing's actually changed with the business. Um, and then we, we bought this hotel. And so we found it, um, we were kind of looking and then he, we actually found it during lockdown and then, uh, it actually closed at the beginning of lockdown. So that's how it came about. And then we completed on it in summer last year and then, and then, yeah, we've just been, we had to do a bit of planning permission. We've still got more planning permission that we're going through at the moment. But the development is, you know, it's we're in full flight and builders are up there and it's all happening. It's really nice. But I'm. it's nice to be here so we can, like, go there every day. We're just nearby so we can be sort of on site quite a lot, which is helpful for everybody. And what are the, what are the plans with Langdon Court? Because it's such an incredible building and location yeah it's amazing so it'll be a exclusive use um hotel and so you would actually take over the whole hotel so um so it could be for um launches press launches it could be you know somebody want like a multi-generational family 
gathering. Um, it could be somebody's having a birthday. Uh, it could be like a corporate thing. Uh, so yes. Um, and then we have Jamie, uh, Rogers, who actually used to be a chef here years ago. And now he has a restaurant in Kingsbridge. So then he'll come in and then do all the meals and everything like that. So he'll, he'll take care of the catering and he's absolutely incredible. So we have like a really nice business plan for it. Cause I know whatever you and Bobby Dazzler do, it, I'm, this, this is going to be, I think, next level luxury. I think it's going to be quite bougie and fabulous. Yeah. It'll be beautiful. But also I think the most important thing as well is that these houses, uh, it's a beautiful house. It's 500 years old and that, and she's just so gorgeous. And there's not too many of these houses left that aren't really, that are really respected, I think, and looked after. And I think that you obviously need to run a sustainable business so you can pay to reinvest in this house and, and look after it in the future. But in the past, it has just been, you know, just used as such a workhorse and not, you know, looked after in any way. And so she does need quite a considerable amount of care and it's going to take, you know, really years of constant investment to, I mean, right down to even, you know, the line pointings going and there's just things that have to be done, will have to be done for years to really look after her and just continue to sort of make sure that she's there and, you know, a beautiful part of Devon. And do you feel that you've found your forever home? Is that is that kind of you guys now for a bit? I do, yeah. I wouldn't, I, do, I wouldn't want to let it go because I feel as if I would be worried that nobody else would care like we would. So I just wouldn't, I'd be nervous about, you know, and I was worried about like what happens when I go, who's going to look after her, you know, because I just feel like there was this lady who sort of lived, tried to do some research on her. There was a couple of important families who were there for a long time. And then there was this lady when she died, it then sort of went to Plymouth Council. And then that's when like a rule period of, well, you know, mistreatment happened. I think, God, what did she, what would she would have thought? What would she have thought? And had she, you know, been able to like pass it on to the right people or whatever. And I think that these, these things do happen over the years, don't they? You just can't help in history. There's, you can't control everything. But we just need to sort of make sure that we, yeah, carry on with the best intentions. I was on your Instagram. You've got ducks. <laughs> I know. We've got ducks down there. They're so cute. So that's, um, yeah, that's actually Nicola, who's uh, actually a Donna Ida customer, and she's down here, and she's, and we've got guinea fowl coming as well. So you have ducks or a guinea fowl. It's lovely. It's so nice. It's just such a nice place to be. So let's talk about beauty, skincare for a bit, because, uh, you know, I've, I've had my hands on your face, you know, a, a good handful of times. Yes, several times. Have you yes. got any skincare products that you, absolutely love that you just can't do without there was actually i'm just going to struggle to remember what it's called now i actually did a whole thing with them and i really really loved it i don't know if i would say that i can't do without one thing i really love is dr seabag's um you know the vitamin c powder that you can mix into anything and i really do like that and actually trish i do like vitamin c and trish mcavoy has an amazing vitamin c cream that i think is fantastic that's, and then if you're looking at one, that's one thing that I can't do without, but it's not really skincare. It's more sort of makes you look great is, um, Trish McAvoy does the Soothe and Luminate, which always makes me feel amazing and just kind of like instant. Well, you look really well. Um, but I would say in terms of, um, serums, oh my God, I can't remember the name of it now. 
I'm just actually, I'm still using it. I'm still using it, but I would have to nip into the bathroom and tell you what the, what the brand name is. It's very good. And it feels like magic going onto your skin. It's like really, I'd love to know what you think of it actually. It's like everyone's going to go, what is it? What is it? I'll be able to find it. Let me just quickly go back to Instagram and I'm going to find it. And I think it's such a good, good brand. I'll find it. Bear with me. Bear with me. You're going to, because you, what I always loved about coming to see you, you'd have about six or seven things and you put so many different things on my skin. And I'd always be like, Oh my God, what is that? That's what I always loved about you. Like it was just such a sort of cocktail. Yeah. And I've also always spent quite a chunk of my career researching products and brands and trying to find the best at that particular time for my skin, but also for my client's skin. So I suppose my product selection and favorites have definitely moved and changed over the years as new brands have come along or I've researched and come across something else that I think is amazing. Okay, I found it. Pericone MD. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So they've been around for a few years. Yeah, they've got really nice textures to their to their products. A range I think you'd really love is called Revision Skincare. I don't know whether you've come across those guys yet. No. But I think for for your skin type, Revision Skincare uh, just really intelligent with their formulations, how they sit on the skin, the science and the tech behind them is is quite quite lovely. So that's one for your googling. Um, what about makeup? So I use I use a lot of Trish McAvoy. We partner quite often, and I really like that Trish has like an edit. Like she'll have, uh, and she has things that are easy to use for busy women. So she has like an eye eyeshadows and they're just in these sticks. And so you they like sort of literally swipe it on. You can just you can do a little bit of shading if you want to, but you don't even have to. It just makes life so easy. And I just love that I can just throw them in my handbag, then just a bit of mascara, a little bit of eyeliner if I want to, and it's just so simple. Because actually I find when you've got, you know, the shadow and you have to have the brush and everything, you know, you put in your bag and it all goes everywhere. Do you know what I mean? So I have actually found them just yeah those products just so simple and easy for me and you just sort of end up with like a range of just like sticks that sort of do everything so I kind of love that and I can um use them for different things like multi-use nice and if because I know on your social media there's an element of photography and you putting yourself in front of the camera have you got any tips or tricks if you're feeling just lacking that confidence or that zhuzh with your skin have you got anything that you find really helps pep you up before you do that type of thing i think and i i would really recommend just smiling because if you just don't look that good or don't feel like and i've had my photo taken so many times and i think oh my i haven't hardly got any makeup on my in a rush i've got a hundred things in my head and if you just kind of like, you know, just try to like sh shake your shoulders out a little bit and smile, you do look kind of okay. Um, and anything you can, and even the tiniest bit, I had to take some photos last week. I just used a bit of Trisha's like, um, it's like a, it's like a tinted moisturizer and I just threw it in my bag, put a bit on just to get down any redness, a little bit of mascara and then, um, and lip, and lip gloss. I always think if I've got a nice like balm, you know, like a, nice you know my lips lip feel nice and moist I feel a bit better but I would just say as well as like as long as you're actually you're smiling you're looking at the camera I think everybody 
doesn't look so much at the skin if you're if you haven't put all the effort in just try and smile because as many times as like even last week claire's like come on we just got to get a few photos and then you can go and i was just oh just not feeling it was hot was bothered i wanted to get out of there and she's like come on okay we've got a few now you can go and it's just you just got to get on with it i think sometimes and especially for like photos um you do it i i've done it you want to try you it's going to happen whether you like it or not you might as well try and get a good one yeah and it, i think you putting a smile on your face is a is a biggie because i think a smiley face just looks more youthful i think happier lighter yeah you just look well you just look better everyone does and then yeah and even if i'm just like have a look and then claire will show me what she's done and i'll go oh my god i need to smile a bit more and then it just makes such a difference are you an early morning person i'm i'm presuming that you must be an early to to get everything that you cram into a day i'd love to know what you know what's your morning routine i get up early i sort of get up by definitely by six o'clock it's sort of late the latest and then you know i get i make myself breakfast get feed the boys get does the breakfast and then i just like to have that sort of hour myself having breakfast you know eating breakfast having coffee do the washing up just kind of waking, just having that hour on, on my own. I'll be, might sort of look at some emails and that kind of thing, but I do try to just like get that done and then I'll just start going through everything. But I think it's quite good if you can sort of stay on top of everything, just clear out. There's like a lot of junk emails that come through overnight, give really quick answers to anything you need to get, you know, um, you need to get through and then you can sort of start with the day. Um, because I will often do calls from eight o'clock and, um yeah and I just like to have everything cleared down really to like stay on top so that's why I do like to get up early if I got up any later I don't really understand people who get up later because I think I'd be stressed quite stressed out thinking what's been going on I'd feel very behind but I think that's just me I know I definitely went through lockdown not getting up as early and it took a little bit of a shift for me to get back in come on you know get get back on it kind of thing um and i think a lot of people fell into that that pattern but you're absolutely right you just feel so much more productive if you get up and on it in the morning yeah i mean i found during lockdown i was just like busier than ever but i'm i think i'm the type of person who will always just feel if i i saw it as a real opportunity just do so much clearing up and just do so much work on the website that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So I, I found that I was just had these massive lists every day and I was just trying to get through the list. I always found myself really busy, but it was good because we just did so much. Yeah. Yeah. With your list, are you a list writer? Do you do it on paper? Do you need to see it on your computer? Because just that from a clearing stuff out of your head into physically being able to do stuff how do you kind of manage that side of productivity i write it i do like i write it what i write it down that i want to do that day or all the phone calls i want to do but then more importantly i actually do do it and then cross it off the list i think a lot of people might write it on the list and not do it so i actually do do it and then for example wherever i'm if i'm going doing photo shoot or whatever it is whatever i i put it in the diary and then in the notes section i write what I'm actually doing at that appointment or what I, who I'm seeing. Or, and so I put all, I use the notes within the calendar. And then I also use the notes on my phone quite a bit. So I'm having, I'll have a note for everything. I, I do have everything sort of quite deep because once it's out of my head and it's detailed and 
So you kind of know, you just refer to it. So you just have to like put in the effort to actually write the plan out and then you can refer back to it. Do you know, I, I'm a huge user of the notes section in you know, my iPhone and I've done it for years and probably four months ago, I don't know how, but instead of just deleting the one note, I deleted all of them with one click of a button. And I sat there and I was like, oh, well, they were gone. Shame. I just, I kind of sat with that for a bit thinking, right, so that's literally my life's worth of notes and thoughts just gone in a moment. And I actually, there was a panic that set in initially, but then there was almost a bit of, okay, well, that feels quite freeing, bizarrely. <laughs> I've got to, I'm just going to have to start afresh. Okay, clean, that's that's all gone. What's what's next for Donna Ida? Um, so we're actually doing um, men's, we're doing men's range. We're extending our size range um, to encompass a curvier range um, in some three of our styles. And then we're also doing some maternity. So that's what we're doing for Donna Ida, going back into wholesale. We used to be in wholesale years ago. Then we went out of it. We're actually going to go back into wholesale. We didn't do it in a very big way, but we're going to do it properly. And then we have Langdon Court. Oh. So, yeah, I've kind of, I feel like for the next 12 months, I've definitely got my plate nice and full. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be busy as always. But Donna, it's been really lovely chatting with you about business and things. So thank you so much for, for being a guest on the podcast. Where can people find you online? So DonnaIda.com. And we actually do sell at the at the moment, actually, to Bamford and to the Huntress in New York, a few other sort of smaller stores, but we will be doing wholesale, so probably, like I said, quite soon. All the girls, the stylists are amazing, so they have all their phone numbers on site, or even just DM us as well. Like, we're quite active on Instagram, which is great, and we can, if you need help or style advice or anything like that, and we just we do like chatting to people and helping them find the right thing, I think is always quite helpful. So, yeah, find us online. Just message us. So, interestingly, I have had an Ida girl come round. You literally go, hey, I'm looking for... And they turn up with the bag of goodies. You try them on. So, from a shopping experience, it's quite a unique model. But it's so good to be able to do that. It is really nice, yeah. So, we kind of like cover sort of like like Berkshire, Surrey, London, Hampshire, I think. Yeah, quite a few counties anyway. It's quite nice. It is nice to have that personal shopping experience, definitely. And then we just FaceTime people as well if you're further, further afield. So we do FaceTime people. We've got customers all over the world and can definitely sort of help in that way. It's pretty amazing what you can do just online, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Modern day life. Well, thank you so much for, for being a guest and chatting to us. It's, this has been a pleasure and I will look forward to, I'm not going to need your maternity clothes. I'm not going to need that. I'm way past that. <laughs> really interested to see the new collections come out. Thank you so much for listening to Knowing Me, Glowing You. I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I did. If you'd like to learn a little more about what I do, you can always pop over to my website, abigailjames.com, where you can stay up to date with everything I'm up to. If you're into your skincare and well-being, I think you are really going to enjoy my latest book, The Glow Plan. It's a four-week plan to ageing well from the inside and out. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, it's really appreciated if you would subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode might have given a moment of welcome distraction from your day and offered a glimmer of inspiration and happiness.